Well, goodness, it's good to see each one of you this morning. What a blessing to be here. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, we'll begin reading. Uh, the thing says 44, but we're going to back up and start at 42. Uh, John 12, 42. Pray for me this week. I had great results on all my tests and everything. And uh, this is the week, though, that one week out of the year, one day, uh, coming up that I will eat Mexican food and not complain. Uh, it's our anniversary Friday. Many of you don't know my wife. Stand up right here just a minute. The people here don't know you. If this is my beautiful wife, <laughs> 44 years uh, she has been and I trust will continue to be. Uh, we've had a great time. It's been great. Uh, so on her anniversary, I've give in and we go eat Mexican food and I never complain. I just, you know, I just sit there and just be nice. Amen? Isn't that right? All right. Good deal. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 42. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? I read about the wife opening the mail. She came in all excited, said to her husband, the bank says this is our last notice. She said, isn't it wonderful that they're not going to bother us anymore? <laughs> We're talking about last notices here, final notice when you get down to John chapter 12. In verse 42, he said, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Now here's why. Verse 43, For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I've spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Father, we're grateful today again for the chance you give us come and worship you, to lift up the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray we'll crown you. Lord, you're, you're the only one deserving of the crowns and the accolades that we give today. Not any of us deserve that. Lord, would you do something special in this place today? Would you just let your spirit have the, the run of this whole auditorium and you just do whatever pleases you that we might lift up Jesus and say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It's never wise to ignore final notices, and that's true not only of bill collectors, it's also true to ignore God's final notice. Now, you may think it's wonderful that God doesn't bother you anymore, but the worst place you could ever be in in your life is to be at the place where God says, I'm not going to mess with you anymore. 
I'm not going to bother you anymore. I see folks sometimes come in and uh, they'll sit during the invitation and they're grabbing the pews and all of this and three or four weeks into that, they suddenly, it doesn't bother them anymore. Everything's great. That's the most dangerous place to be in your life. Our text here represents Jesus' final notice to the Jews who had not believed in him. Now, we don't know when he spoke these words. There's nothing here that he's not already said. It's just kind of a review, but it's like his final notice. And so we ought to give attention, and he gives four reasons why we should believe him and believe his words. Uh, the Bible says in verse 44, Jesus cried out. John used that same verse over at the Feast of the Dedication in John 7. It means to shout with a loud voice. Jesus cried out to him. He shouted with him. Charles Haddon Spurgeon wrote this in 1857. I have read it probably a thousand times in my ministry. Everybody doesn't agree with it, but I do. And so I try to make my ministry after this. He said, I'm quoting, let each of us who are called to the solemn work of the ministry remember, we're not called to lift up doctrine. We're not called to lift up doctrine. We're not called to lift up church governments or particular denominations. Our business is to lift up Jesus Christ and to preach him fully. There may be times when church government is to be discussed and doctrines are to be vindicated. God forbid that we should silence any part of the truth. But the main work of the ministry, it's everyday work, is just exhibiting Christ and crying out to sinners, believe on him who is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. That's what the ministry of this church ought to be. That's what the ministry of every pastor ought to be. Hey, there's time to learn doctrine. There's time to do all that. But I want to tell you, I know folk who know doctrine back and forth, but they're on their way to hell because they never trusted Christ. The most important decision you can make is not to be a Baptist. The most important decision you'll make in your life is to have Jesus take over your life. That's the most important thing. Now let's look at it just verse by verse. He said, first of all, believe in me. Why? Because I and the Father are one. Now this is going to get hairy in here. Uh, it, you know, it gets difficult when you're trying to explain the Trinity, uh, especially in, in human terms. We can't do that. Could we just understand this morning that we've got a supernatural God that nobody can understand? I mean, he'd do what he want to do. <laughs> and you, you say, well, no, I've got him pegged out. He's going to do this, this, this. Well, he's going to rain on your parade one day and show you he can do whatever he wants to do. He's not locked in by what you think he ought to do. Believe in me, he said, because I am one with the Father. He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. John 10, verse 30, he said plainly, I and the Father am one. They should know and understand, John 10, 38, that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Uh, Jesus in, in John 8, 19, rebuked his critics. You neither know me nor my Father. If you knew me, you'd know my Father also. So he and the Father are one. Now, this doesn't mean uh, like a lot of people are teaching today, Jesus only. Uh, they, they call them mod uh, modelism. It's like modern preaching. Uh, Jesus distinguishes himself from the Father. There are those who teach 
that, the, that Jesus and the Father are the same. They're just different modes. And that's not what he's saying here. I and the Father am one. There'd be no need for him and the Father to be one if he wasn't one and the Father wasn't one. So they're, they're different ones. He affirms that. And there are other scriptures up there somewhere. Uh, maybe, I don't know. They may be up there and they may not be up there. Uh, but there's some scriptures uh, that you can look. I can, John 12, 44, uh, the Father has sent him. The Trinity, uh, we talk about that in Matthew 28, 1 Corinthians 12, 2 Corinthians 13. In, in Grudem's uh, uh, basic uh, systematic theology, he said there are three things you need to learn about the Holy Spirit, about the, uh, the, the deity, the, Father, the Godhead. Number one is this, God is three persons. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're three persons. They're not three manifestations in the same persons. They're three persons. One, two, three, okay? Now, John 1, in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The fact that Jesus is with God means he's someone different from God. So every one of these are three distinct persons. Secondly, each person is fully God. You say, how is that answer? I'm not telling you how it's going to answer. I'm just telling you each one of them are, are fully God. They're deity. God the Father is God. God the Son is God. And God the Holy Spirit is God. And, uh, and then thirdly, there is one God. You say, whoa, wait a minute, preacher. You said there were three gods. Now you're saying there's one God. Now which one is it? Is it one God or is there three gods? Yes. That's what it is. That's what it is. It affirms there's only one God. Hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy 6, 4, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And then Jesus says, John 12, 45, he who sees me sees the one who sent me. John 1, 18, no one's seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is a bosom of the Father, he explained. And then in John 14, 9, Jesus is speaking to Philip, and he said, oh, Philip, have I been so long with you, and yet you don't come to know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So uh, to, to know God, you've got to know Jesus. That's why our scripture is so important this month. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You're not going to get to God unless you go through Jesus. You're not going to have eternal life. So the first reason is obvious here. We ought to believe in Jesus because he and the Father are one. You can't deny the deity of Christ. You can't deny the deity of God the Father. You can't deny the deity of the Holy Spirit. So they're one. Secondly, he said, believe in me because I am the light. Verse 46, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. I think it's kind of ironic that in the book of Genesis, it says, let there be light. If you go back and look at the original language, there's no let there be at all. It's just light. God starts this thing off with light and Jesus finishes this thing off with light. Woo! Now, that ought to make somebody get halfway excited right there. I mean, light. That's what he said. He said, I've come as light into the world. First, uh, John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus is the true light. I'm the light of the world. Uh, and then John 12, just a little while longer, the light is among you. Walk while you have the light so that darkness will not overtake you. 
Now, folks, this world that we're living in now is full of spiritual darkness. It is evil on every hand. I tell you, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, they just don't understand the things of God. And because they've been blinded, they're not going to be revealed to them. They're darkened in their understanding. They're excluded from the, from the life of God. Now, unbelievers typically believe truths today. There used to be a thing. We, we don't do it anymore. It's outdated. But it used to be a thing called common sense. You, you can look it up in the dictionary. You'll have to go back several years to really get a hold of it there. But just because you're lost doesn't mean you don't have common sense. I mean, you can have common sense and still be lost. But the world that we live in is typically dark, and, and we, we're all wanting to hear the love of God. Everybody wants to hear the love of God, the love of God. I look at these protesters, and they're all hollering, uh, they want justice. They want justice. I'll tell you one thing. I don't want no justice. I want grace. I want mercy. I know who I am. <laughs> Let me tell you. Uh, there will be a day for justice, and that's, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but it's going to be righteous justice. Mm. Well, it's a little bit of difference between justice and righteous justice. The world that we live in, the latest uh, poll I just looked up last, uh, last night late because I had one from 2013. It was bad enough. But the one that was in June of 2020, 50% of the church think that pornography is morally acceptable. Hmm. 72% say that sex between an unmarried man and woman is acceptable. Now, we're not talking about the world. We're talking about the church. 58% of the world thinks pornography is acceptable, but 50% of the church thinks it. Not a whole lot of difference. And then 74% say that gay or lesbian relations are acceptable. Mm. The one that gets me, though, above all, 43% of born-again Christians believe in absolute truth. That means 50, how many? 57? There you go. Just wanted to see if y'all were awake. How can you believe this book and not believe in absolute truth? Let me tell you, I'm just being facetious now, but we need to throw all our jewelry and necklaces and chains away that say WWJD. We don't need to know what would Jesus do. We need to open the book and find out what Jesus did. We've got the book. We've got the true account of it. It's right here in this book. How can you say that there's no moral absolutes? There is. I love Psalm 27, 1. It's one of my favorite. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The psalmist said in Psalm 44, 3, he's begging God, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. And then, of course, the one we learned in Vacation Bible School, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus says, I have come as light into the world. Now, listen to me. You and I are not the light. In fact, there are days when we don't even reflect the light like we should. It's kind of like driving down into South Louisiana or South Texas. 
when those little varmints called love bugs are around. They get so thick that you can't see the light of your car. And I want to tell you, don't put, listen to me now, don't put your eyes on some preacher. My wife can shut all that down for you in about 10 minutes. <laughs> Give her 10 minutes and she can do that. Don't put your eye. We are reflectors of the light. Sometimes we reflect good and sometimes we don't reflect good. But we're reflectors of the light. Jesus is the light. So he's saying, believe in me because I am the Father in one. Believe in me because I'm the light of the world. And then thirdly, he said, believe in me because if you reject my words, you're going to face judgment on the last day. Hmm. Verse 47 and 48. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. He's talking about the last day. There's going to be a last day. It's just sure as it's written in the book. There's going to be a last day. You say, well, he said he didn't come to judge. And that's what John 3, 17 and 18 says. We love God, so love the world. But then John uh, in the 17th said, God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Well, preacher, then get off of this judgment kick. No, you better get your right times right. You see, the first time Jesus came, he came as a little baby wrapped in a manger. And he came to die on Calvary. But I want to tell you, the second time he's come, don't be looking for no baby in no manger. He's not going to be in that manger. He's going to come to judge this world and to judge sin and to make things right. Wow. He's stating those truths over and over again. John 8, 15, you judge according to the flesh. I'm not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I'm not alone in it, but I and the Father who sent me. Wow. Mm. His second coming is going to be for judgment. You know what folk are going to be doing during, the, during that judgment? Revelation 6, 16 says this. They're going to be crying out from the mountains and the rocks. Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Mm. There'll be a last day. But Jesus offered a way of escape. You don't have to go into the last day a sinful sinner. Your sins can be forgiven. But now we need to be clear about what he said. John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but is passed out of death into life. But we need to be very clear about what Jesus means by hearing his word and believing in him. He describes a person here as one who hears my sayings and does not keep them. Verse 48, he says that person rejects me and does not receive my sayings. You see, genuine faith is obedient faith. I, I could quote scripture all morning long. Matthew 7, uh, Jesus said, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the gates of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. That last day is going to be a day of judgment. You've been here very much in this church. You know what I think about Calvinism as it's rolling around now. <laughs> but I love John Calvin's 
commentaries. Let, let me read. You see, if John Calvin were here tonight, and this is going to tick my friends off who are listening to this by live stream, but if John Calvin were here today, he wouldn't be a Calvinist. He wouldn't be. Listen to what he said. He said, why then does Christ not choose to condemn them? Here it is. It is because he lays aside for a time the office of a judge, and he offers salvation to all without reserve. This is John Calvin. With all without reserve, and stretches out his arms to embrace all, that all may be the more encouraged to repent. No man, therefore, is condemned on account of having despised the gospel except he who disdains the lovely message of salvation has chosen of his own accord to draw down destruction on himself. Hmm. That's not like any Calvinism I've ever heard today. You know what he's saying? Let me tell you. Now, everybody's not a dispensationalist either, but... But in this dispensation that we live now called the church age, it's the day of grace. Judgment's laid aside. This is the day of grace. There'll come a day when we call what we see the rapture. We're going to be taken up. We're going to be caught up to meet him in the sky. And we're going to be with him forevermore. That's the rapture. Now, when the rapture happens, the day of grace ends. Because the Holy Spirit is not in a cloud or a building or a wall anymore. The Holy Spirit's in each one of us. So when we're raptured up, the Holy Spirit's raptured up too. So this is the day of grace. But there will come a day when God says that's enough. And the day of grace will be over with. So the final call this morning, if you're sitting here today, the final call, you need to make up your mind. Is God knocking on my heart's door? Is this the final call? We, none of us know what, what we're going to be doing five minutes from now. Good friend of ours, he's preached here before a couple of times, Dr. Fred Johnson from Eufaula, Oklahoma, has a children's home there and church and all. Uh, passed away Wednesday night just like that with a heart attack. Man, there's never a more loving, soul-winning guy in the world than Fred was. Tremendous guy. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Somebody sitting in this place this morning, it may be your final call, the last chance you have to be saved. You say, Preacher, you're trying to scare me. I wish I could. If I could put on a mask and scare the devil out of you, I would. But I can't. No one can. But if the Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart's door, don't say no. Don't say no. He gives one more thing here, and I'm through. He said, believe on me because I'm the Father and one. He said, believe on me because I'm the light. He said, believe in me because if you reject my words, it means you're going to face judgment. And then fourthly, he said, believe in me because I can faithfully give you the Father's commandment. What is the Father's commandment? Eternal life. Believe in me because Jesus can give eternal life. Jesus said, I didn't speak on my own initiative. The Father himself sent me, has given me a commandment, what to say, what to speak. Wow. Jesus, you know what Jesus is? Jesus is asserting here that he's not some religious Jew, uh, genius who's come up with a plan 
What Jesus is saying is, the plan I got is the plan the Father gave me. And all I'm doing is what the Father told me to do. That's it. We, uh, we have to be careful with this thing of love. I don't want to be branded as a hateful preacher. I love folks. I love, I love food. I, I love a lot of things. I mean, I, I love it. But we've got to be careful that we don't ever let our love be seen as the fruit of our labor. Someone's laboring and doing something and said, oh, that's, that's love. See, love is not a, an action necessarily to do something. It will result when you have love. It results in doing something. But love is a reciprocal. You know why you can love your wife? Because Jesus first loved you. God loves you, and then you can turn around and love others because God loves you. It all depends on God. That's the way he created us. Now, there's a problem uh, with, with people, and I'm not belittling this, and I'm not making fun of this, uh, because I have a lot of people that say this, and there's some of you here that would probably say this. I'm not able to love. I'm not able to show love. Because the way my parents raised me and the way my parents did me. And I, I would just simply ask you, could, could you put your mama and daddy aside for a few moments? And could you just look up and see that cross and see our Jesus hanging on that cross? Could you just for a few moments see the nails that were in his hands and his feet? Just for a few moments see the crown of thorns that were on his head? And watch the blood dripping down, running down on the rocks. Could you for a few moments look and see the spear in his side? Could you just for a moment think about our Lord saying, Father, forgive them? And then you tell me you can't love? What Christ has done for us is more important than what any individual will do. Now, I know there are behavioral problems, and I know there are different things that we've got to consider. But I'll tell you, if we could just for a few moments get our eyes off of ourselves and off of our circumstances, and for a few moments just look at Jesus face to face. November 2002, Major Michael Halt had a battalion, 130 men, it was desert storm, and they were given orders to go and cross the Kuwait border. They'd already been pounded by artillery. They were looking ahead. There's thousands of mines and uh, explosive devices, plus thousands of troops on the Iraqi side over there. And he went, and he got alone, and he prayed. He said, Dear Lord, help me to lead my troops wisely. Watch over us and keep us safe. They got up the next morning. The sun was shining. Everything was great, and they, they, they moved out, had the orders to move out. Along about 11 o'clock that morning, it started sprinkling. And along about 1 o'clock in East Texas, we would talk about it raining cats and dogs. I mean, it, it was just coming down. And that night, as they made camp, it was still just flooding and coming down 
came down so hard and fast that the men couldn't even make out the desert landscape ahead of them. He prayed again that night. He said, Father, please make this rain stop and protect us. Next day that rain continued. It even got worse. Got worse. They camped. The next morning they were to go and cross the lines. They got up that morning. The sun was shining. It was a clear day. They looked before them there and they could not believe what they saw. It had rained so hard in all those storms that every one of those mines were exposed and they knew exactly where they were. They're wanting God to stop the rain and God says, I'll, the rain will bless you. Could I tell you this morning that sometimes in the middle of the storm, God can use that? He can use that. <laughs> I was on a call this week with some pastors. We were just talking about scriptures, and, and one of the pastors made a, a statement. I'm so thankful it wasn't on live. They couldn't see my face. Uh, I was saying to all myself, you idiot, you idiot, you idiot. But he, I, <clears throat> he said, I don't preach much out of the Old Testament because it just doesn't show grace. I thought, good grief. I mean, you know, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's the first thing in Genesis. Gideon there, oh, mighty man of valor, thou have found grace in God's sight. I mean, it's grace, 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 grace. And I got to thinking, what would we do without grace? Where would we be? I mean, where, where, where? Brother, Brother Allen, you know where you'd be without grace? I, I tell you. Rocky, you know where you'd be without grace? Davis, you know where you'd be without grace? We'd be on a road to destruction were it not for the grace and mercy of God. The songwriter put it like this, marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. But here's my, mm. dark is the stain that we cannot hide. You can get all them little tied pins you want to. And you can mark yourself up, you're not going to hide that stain. Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide, whiter than snow. You can be today. Praise the Lord. I want to tell you in this last call, the final call this morning, doesn't matter whether you're 8 years old, 10 years old, 70 years old, or 80 years old. In this final call, Jesus has laid the judgment aside, and he's saying, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He's saying, if you need to be saved this morning, you don't know what tomorrow brings. may not be another opportunity. Someone in this room right now, this is your last opportunity to be saved. It's all in your court. As I've done this sermon a couple of times this morning, both times I got in the truck and I thought, Lord, why can't I really preach this sermon the way it ought to be preached?
I can't do it. So I'm going to depend on the Holy Spirit to work in your life. He's the one who can do it. Father, we're grateful this morning of your grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you didn't quit halfway up the hill. Thank you that you didn't call 10,000 angels. Thank you that you went all the way to Calvary. I pray this morning, Lord, there are people in this auditorium right now that you're giving one more opportunity to be saved. Maybe there's some here that need a church home. Maybe there's some here this morning that just need to come to this altar and pray. Maybe there are some here this morning that they're just depressed and frustrated and, Lord, they just need a fresh touch from you. Lord, would you have your way in their life this morning? May they come just like they are, not trying to get things ready, just come like they are. We'll praise you. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as Brother Aaron leads us?